welcome to the Homeschooling Family Podcast. Here, we discuss just about everything that comes into play when you are a Christian homeschooling family. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and on today's podcast, I'm joined by Dorenda Wilson. Dorenda and I will be talking about unhurried homeschooling and how impactful that can be for you and your family. In a world where there are countless voices trying to tell us what to do and what to be, Dorenda has a hopeful message for you today that I know will bring peace to your family. I am so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Homeschooling Family Podcast. I am so excited to have Dorenda Wilson with us today. Dorenda is just, she's been to Teach Them Diligently Spoken there. We've actually had uh, a number of requests to bring her back, so we'll have to talk about that towards the end. But very excited to have her. She has written a book called The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, which I love the subtitle there. So, Dorenda, welcome. And uh, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am married to Daryl. We've been married for 31 years. Uh, We have eight kids, ages 15 to 29. Uh, Five are boys, three are girls. We have six grandkids, and we've been homeschooling for over 25 years. And actually, a little little side note, we added um, another family member, a 17-year-old young man who needed a home and a family. Mm -hmm. So I have gotten to go back to sort of my original ideas about unhurried homeschooling and plug it in in a different way because he public schooled up to this point. And so it's just been a really fascinating journey to, to walk out with him because we are, we are homeschooling him as well. So yeah, so we've got um, seven of our kids graduated. So we have one 16-year-old at home and then we have the 17-year-old that just joined our family. And so I'm homeschooling two high schoolers right now. Well, that is awesome. Well, tell me a, a little bit about the idea of the unhurried homeschooler, because it doesn't seem like if you have eight kids, there's anything unhurried ever. So (laughs) even before I was telling my mom and dad earlier, I was talking to them on the phone and I was like, everything is such a rush right now. I've got four, three of them can drive, you know, two in college, one senior in high school. And it's just like, we're going in a thousand different directions and life seems to be on overdrive. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear how how you kind of came up with that unhurried homeschooling idea? Well, that is uh, that it's an interesting story because um, when I was a teenager, I actually picked up a book at a yard sale by Dr. Raymond Moore. Um, so this is back in the 80s and the, and the book was written, I think, in the 70s. But he and his wife were sort of considered to be the grandmother and grandfather of homeschooling. They sort mm-hmm. of brought homeschooling. Obviously, homeschooling was a regular thing back in the day. But since the traditional public school system had been established and all of that, no one was really doing it anymore. And so they've kind of brought this back onto the scene. I happened to read this book and I think it was called Better Late Than early. And it just sort of, it was really interesting because it just resonated with my heart for kids I didn't have yet. I wasn't married. I was still a teenager, but I read this book and it just, there was something, there were seeds planted. And so uh, fast forward, I met my husband. Um, He was in complete agreement that we should homeschool our kids, which I was very grateful for. And as we moved forward, 
to heading into the school years, I, I began to remember so many things that I read in this book. And it had so much to do with giving our kids a childhood, allowing mm-hmm. them to slowly transition from just, you know, the, the regular things of childhood to into bookwork. So not rushing into bookwork right away. You know, the instant they turn five, we've got out, you know, five subjects and we're hitting the books for three or four hours a day. It That didn't feel right to me. And I thought, okay, let's, let's, let's just take this a little bit slower and see how it goes. And I had read a lot about just kids learning when they're ready, especially at that mm-hmm. age that developmentally, they're very different stages. Um, you know, they vary a lot at four, five, six, and seven, and that it was okay if my child didn't have a desire to read till they were seven or eight. It was okay to wait. And so I had all those little seeds planted and I began to walk this out with my kids. So originally it started out with just unhurried for the younger children going into the school years in an unhurried way because the kids are learning so much from everyday life at that point, you know, and we're having them do little things like setting the table and helping, you know, maybe helping us bake some cookies, doing things that are hands-on and just enjoyable and just everyday life together. That's what I decided to focus on was just walking alongside of each other, teaching them good manners, teaching them, you know, how to help out at mealtime, simple chores, how to unload the dishwasher. And that's kind of how our days flowed. And then when they seemed like they were interested in reading, you know, I read to them, of course, um, but but when they started to want to read for themselves, I thought, hmm, these, this is a cue that, you know, they might be ready to start reading. And I had little short lessons that I would do with them. And and if they got frustrated or they were um, just didn't really want to be there, I just didn't push it. And so that's really how that whole unhurried homeschooler concept sort of began to play out for our family. But hmm. then I realized over the years as the kids begin began to get older and i started to think you know things became a little more challenging the uh, another facet to this unhurried mindset was for me as a mom to slow down and listen for the lord's voice because there's so many voices just shouting yeah. at us telling us to go the here go there we can't possibly do it all there is no way and so then we panic and we end up just anxious and making decisions out of fear and i thought that's not what i want for our family it's not what i want for me as a mom because that would that sort of mentality begins to wreck the relationship with my kids. So relationship was an absolute priority, you know? So, and, and I, I, and I know, you know, this, that, that, that is, that has got to be number one, because when the relationship is healthy with our children and, and they're relaxed and we're relaxed, all of a sudden learning just happens so much more readily. Yes. And, you know, that's one of the things that, I talk to moms who are just frazzled and are are really, I go back to where you said there's so much noise, so many voices, you know, that leads to such frustration that leads to like crisis mode all the time, because you don't know, you you don't know what to swat at because so much messaging is coming at you all the time. Mm -hmm. And our children sense that Mm -hmm. so much. 
you know, they take their cues. I always found when I was a mess, I was, you know, on edge, I was anxious, whatever. I could see those same tendencies in my kids. It's amazing how they take their cues from the demeanor of mom. That's absolutely right. We set the tone in our home and I wanted to set a tone of peace Mm. and a tone that said, I have time to talk with you. I have time to listen to your ideas. I have time to hear your, your stories, you know, and, and it's amazing how much learning happens just in those everyday conversations. Um, as I gave our kids free time in the afternoon, and this was another part of the unhurried lifestyle for us was we would get the schoolwork piece of it, the book work done when they were, when they were in the years of doing more book work, we would do that in the morning. And by typically by lunchtime, unless they were in high school, they could have everything done by lunchtime. And then we had like a sort of a quiet time after lunch, even when they were in high school. I was like, mom needs her sanity. So I need an hour of quiet (laughs) in this house because this is all part of setting the tone. You know, I have to understand what I need as well. And, you know, obviously those parameters are going to be pressed with eight children. But I did the best I could to just basically kind of have a a basic routine that we did every day with, um, with margin in our day. The problem that I see happening so much of the time, and it's so tempting, is to put our kids in all these activities to schedule them for a million different things because we're afraid we're missing something. Yep. We're so afraid. It's like, I, I feel like it's it's like loading up a bow and arrow with a whole bunch of arrows and just pulling back and just letting a whole bunch of them fly and hoping that one hits the target. When instead we could take one arrow at a time, pull back and be very intentional and aim for that bullseye and hit yep. it. You know, and for me, what that looks like as a mom is slowing down and listening for the Lord's voice and understanding what our reasons are behind homeschooling. I encourage that in my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler. One of the first things is for for families to sit down, parents to sit down and be prayerful about what is their mission statement. This does not have to be complicated. You know, it can be as simple as ABC. These are our priorities. Then everything that comes along, the curriculum you're considering, the activities you're considering, you put them up alongside of that and you determine whether that fits that mission statement that you feel like God has for your family, that sort of big picture vision. And for us, family time was very, very important. I wanted Mm. my kids to bond. I wanted that to nurture sibling relationships. I wanted time to work through conflict if we were having conflict. I wanted time to teach them work ethic. And so that meant that we could not overload our schedule. There needed to be margin in our days. But our kids always had a couple of hours every afternoon to just pursue their interests, their mm. hobbies, and be creative and be bored. And it's it's amazing how out of that boredom can come such creativity. It was a prior, oh, has that happened at your house? Such fun things come <laughs> out of, yes. In fact, my kids are what, almost 21 to almost 14. Mm-hmm. And they were bored one day during quarantine and I walked upstairs and the entire upstairs of our house was a, the world's largest blanket fort. 
complete with like a motorized scooter that one of them had built to go up under down the hall under the blanket awning down the hall it was the greatest thing I'm like my kids still love playing together and they're you know yes 21 to 14 this is so awesome but but yeah it it's you have to be able to have downtime to create weird things like that and to really explore what's in your head and and even just work it out. Yes, absolutely. I love the way you worded that, working it out, because what happens is there's a whole bunch of problem solving and thought processes. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're they're doing this with a sibling, there's a lot of communication that has to go on and teamwork and ideas. They're throwing out ideas and giving and receiving ideas and trying things out together. We, We underestimate the value of yes. those scenarios, those real life natural scenarios. But the temptation in our culture and in, you know, just society as it sits right now with all of the options we have out there is the temptation is to underestimate that and go for the activities instead because it right. looks like we're doing so much. And, and those things can be a blessing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I feel like there's so many wonderful opportunities out there that weren't there for my ki- older kids when they were younger, but they're fine. You know, it, it, my point is that simplicity, it's okay to keep a sense of simplicity in your day, especially yeah. in those early years. Now, I hear what you're saying about the age kids that you have right now, uh, the age of your kids. It's that is just sort of that season. Yeah. They're, they're busy. It's We're like, feeling it. Yes. And, and so maybe as a mom, I know I need to sometimes just pull way back and just sort of go into my little nesting place somewhere mm-hmm. by myself and just be with the Lord and be able to have time to process. Yeah. And I think that the Lord really uses these different seasons to grow us as moms too, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. in the, when, when your children are little, it's so physically demanding that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just feel like you're so weary, you're never going to make it through. And then it just kind of grows up and becomes more emotionally demanding as their, yes. their questions and everything gets so much deeper. And, mm-hmm. and now I feel like I'm at a stage where the Lord is, is teaching me it's okay. I've trained them. I need to give them wings and, and allow them to fly out on their own some, um, and then thoroughly enjoy every moment when we're all back together. And so I just, I, I love that God is so patient with his children, that he is constantly growing us, even as moms, right. uh, through these different seasons that our children go through. That's absolutely right. And I think one of the one of the things, you know, that I really tried to stay focused on was having that peace in our house. And and when I say that, that doesn't mean it was quiet. Don't, right. you know, don't <laughs> no, confuse well, peace not the same. <laughs> no, they're not the same. But there was a, a I always tried to keep my eyes on having um, some sort of peaceful rhythm to our days. That doesn't mean we weren't productive. That doesn't mean there wasn't a lot going on. It just meant that there was an underlying peace there. And part mm. of what helped me figure out what that was is to is to just be reminding myself, am I enjoying my kids? Yeah. You know, I mean, there are times when I'm not enjoying them and I need to ask myself why. Sometimes it meant that my heart was in a rotten place. You know, mm-hmm. I just was feeling like, you know, oh, you know, that mommy martyrdom thing that we go 
we do, you know, oh, poor me, I'm exhausted, I'm, I'm underappreciated, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, those things can all be true, but, you know, God is still good and he's, he's given me these children. And that's when I have to kind of turn towards thankfulness for what he's given me. And, and the fact that these children are a blessing and guess what, because they're a blessing, God is using them to teach me perseverance, to teach me Mm -hmm. to be more gracious, you know, but then the other thing that can be happening is sometimes when I'm not enjoying my children, it's because there's a real need for some character training that needs to be happening. And so then there are times that I have literally laid down the schoolwork for an open-ended amount of time. I I just told myself, you know, I would often say I'm giving myself this week to work on character with the kids. Now, if I see things drastically improving in two days, great. Then we'll go back to adding the schoolwork back in. But in the meantime, we're going to do this basic skeleton schedule. And my focus is going to be their attitudes towards each other, towards me. Are they doing their chores in a timely way? You know, whatever issues it seems like we're dealing with on a constant basis, I'm going to focus on those. And I'm telling you, I never, ever regretted doing that. I'm sure you can probably say the same thing. Absolutely. You know, you've got to, and, and this comes back to that mission statement that you alluded to earlier. Why are you doing this? Ultimately, if you, if you are a Christian homeschooling family and you raise the most academically excellent children on the planet, but you never got their heart, you have failed. And so for, for our family, and I, I would dare say for most listening in, our primary objective in homeschooling our children is to raise them to love God and love people and be prepared to walk through whatever door God opens for them. That's right. And that becomes the overriding mission of what we're doing. Therefore, those detours, those weeks of whatever kind of camp that we come up with that week to deal with whatever we got to deal with. Exactly. become really, really important. And it's always uh, amazed me that even when I, you know, Satan wants to make you think that walking away is going to hurt them, hurt their academics, whatever, you know, the Lord ties all that tapestry together by the end, you know, mm-hmm. everything. It's amazing to me how much my children graduated knowing when I felt so inept all the way through. Right. But God is good and he knows he's using weak people. But if we follow him and obey him, he really does bless the work of our hands in this. That's absolutely right. And I love what you were saying because it reminds me of uh, back in the day when I would ask the Lord quite frequently, you know, because I'm here, I'm taking this unhurried approach and I feel peace Mm -hmm. about it. But every now and then doubts come up, comparisons, distractions, you know, those, those are probably our two worst enemies. Those, those thoughts and would try to come in and just sort of, you know, the enemy wants to undermine what I'm doing, but I'm also in the back of my mind thinking, I don't know if this is going to work or not. You know, (laughs) is this going to be successful? I don't know. You know, so I would, I would, you know, go to the Lord and say, you know, am I just, am I being foolish to think that, you know, that, that we can have this much peace and my kids are going to be okay. And in the end, you know, and he reminded me of the story of the loaves and fishes. And he Mm -hmm. said, Dorinda, remember the loaves and the fishes. 
the disciples were looking at those baskets going, you want us to feed that to 5,000 people, <laughs> you know? And it made, it reminded me of sometimes my energy level or my abilities or how many different ways that I feel like I might not be qualified if you're just looking through the world's economy. But we right. work in God's economy. And so Jesus prayed over the loaves and the fishes and he took that little bit and he made it enough. Not only was it enough, there were leftovers. So God was essentially saying to me, Dorenda, just bring me what you have and I will make it more than enough. And all of a sudden there's just this grace oozing over my own heart and my own spirit. And, and that's, that ends up, you know, coming out like you were saying earlier in, in the kind of tone that's set in our home. And my kids are feeling that grace now. And they're, because I'm having grace from the Lord, knowing that he's got my back and I can relax and enjoy my kids. And, and I don't have to be in a hurry and I don't have to be fearful and I don't have to be anxious. And that was just such a beautiful visual reminder to me over and over and over again through all those years. Oh, yeah. I love how you you noted that we work in God's economy. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that really, really trips us up as homeschool moms is we know that we work in God's economy and that's what our heart wants to do. And yet we have a hard time separating what we feel like everybody else wants us to do or expects mm-hmm. us to do or you know, everything that the world is is saying in their economy needs to happen. And so we're combining these two and trying to walk a tightrope that we just can't walk. And so to get that piece of spirit, you can't because you're trying to please too many masters. That, that's so funny that you said that. While you were talking, I wrote down two masters because <laughs> exactly what came to my mind was, you know, God, Jesus said, we can't serve two masters. Yep. It's impossible. So you're going to be committed to one or the other. And I love that. That's so good. But yeah, we can only be committed to one. And so why not just, you know, take that free fall? I I sometimes would picture myself jumping out of an airplane with the Lord going, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're just going to jump and I'm going to trust. And, you know, there's something so freeing in that because at the end of the day, we play to an audience of one. Yep. That's to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing that I love is that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The, the beauty of being a believer is we have the presence of God, the power of God right here living inside of us. Hmm. And so we of all people, we of all homeschoolers should be the most free happy, enjoying our families and just um, at peace and at rest. And, and, and I'm not saying that that happens easily, but I'm saying it can happen. Absolutely. It's depending on impressing into the Lord. And so it was interesting because when this 17 year old young man came to live with us. Um, he's biracial. He is ex- exuberant. And that's another mm-hmm. word for loud, but just <laughs> so much fun. And, um, but, you know, here we are taking in this child that we didn't know and we had to get to know. And it brought me back to the beginning of our homeschool Mm -hmm. years as we're adding children to our families. And what happens? We have to get to know them. We have to, you know, even when you bring a newborn home, 
you have to get to know them and you have to get to kind of know their personality and their little quirks and then adapt them to your already existing family schedule, but then sometimes make little adjustments to the family schedule for the child. It was the same scenario, only just in a different setting. But I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I need you to help me to know, first of all, how to pray for him. And Mm -hmm. second of all, what is it that I need to keep in the forefront of my mind? And so I want to share the, the, the five things that the Lord brought to my mind, because I think that it will be helpful to the moms who are listening um, to maybe just be pondering and thinking about and meditating on uh, when it comes to their own family and homeschooling journey. The first thing that he reminded me of was that whole concept that he's been walking out with me for years of having an unhurried heart, Hmm. just taking the time to slow down and listen for his voice along the way. The second thing was to assume the best in this child. And that's something that when we are feeling fearful that we're not doing enough or um, that maybe we're not a good enough parent, all of a sudden... I know for me, I begin to assume the worst, not only yeah. in myself, but in my child. And so it, it, it not assume that, you know, they're ill-intentioned, but to take the time to, to maybe ask them to help me understand why did you respond that way in this situation, you know, to seek to understand before being understood as I'm dealing with my children. So mm-hmm. one, an unhurried heart, two, assume the best, three, don't be fearful don't work from a place of fear. And that's really about trusting, trusting in God's goodness and his sovereignty over our family and over our lives. Um, This is kind of an interesting one, remembering that I'm responsible for less than I think. Now, I know that sounds really (laughs) weird, but I tend to take responsibility for everything. So that maybe maybe that's just my little thing. But no, I am right there with you. (laughs) I totally hear you on that one. So when my, you know, my high schooler isn't making the greatest decision, I take that on. And yet I really don't have control, nor do I have the responsibility for that decision. I need to separate that out, separate myself from that child's poor decision and be able to say that is not, that was their decision, not mine. And when I start to walk that out, it allows me to have the freedom to let them feel the consequences for their choices without feeling like I just messed everything up. Hmm. And so that was that was another thing. And then the last thing is to remember that this child is not my project. Hmm. I'm not forming this child into what I think he should be. I'm allowing God to do the work because that child is really God's child. And right. that is his heart that he's working on. And I'm just, I get to participate. I get to be part of it, but it's not about me. It's about them and about what God's doing in their hearts. So I hope that's an, hopefully that's an encouragement to moms who are listening. (laughs) Oh, I absolutely. That is, that's a very big encouragement, some great reminders, you know, and so many of them I think are intertwined as you were talking about the second point, I was sitting there thinking, well, that makes you fearful. And then you came behind it with talking about, you know, not 
not coming at things from a point of fear. And and so many of those things just feed on each other. And Satan would love to knock our legs out from under us mm-hmm. by taking our eyes off of Jesus, putting them on ourselves, which is where we start taking responsibility for things that aren't ours and, and feeling the weight of all of that. Right. And just really, truly become fearful because we see only the things that we think that we need to control when actually we just need to trust. We need to cast our care on him and we care about our children more than anything. So we've got to cast them to Jesus and trust that he is going to be working in their heart. And we just need to shepherd them to him. Right. And that is really what it all boils down to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. And, and knowing that he cares for them and loves them even more than we do. And sometimes that's hard to believe, but if you take the time to really think that through, it is easier to let them go. And it's amazing. I have found that as I have purposefully removed myself and my own emotions and my own, you know, responsibility from uh, that child, and I think this is really um, especially applicable as they get older, all of a sudden, it's almost like God works quicker. The work happens faster in their hearts. I'm not tripping them up. Exactly. (laughs) I'm getting out of the way. (laughs) So sometimes, you know, being a homeschooling mom, when it comes to the things we're talking about right now, but also even their schoolwork, uh, sometimes we just need to get out of the way and let them run with it. Let them own it. Let them do what they need to do. That's right. That's so, so good. Well, Dorinda, we are out of time today, although I would love to just talk indefinitely. I think we're we're on such the same page. It's always fun to have a conversation with somebody who sees the world like you do. It is. It's, it's a blessing, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I guess that's why fellowship among believers is so sweet. Mm. But thank you so much for joining us today. Can you, before you leave, tell everybody where they can find you um, and where they can find your book? And then I'll be sure to link in the show notes as well. But just in case they don't click over to the show notes, let's make sure we tell them. Absolutely. Well, if you go to DorendaWilson.com, I have a podcast there. You can also listen to it from iTunes. Spotify, Overcast, and it's just the Dorenda Wilson podcast. So that's those are two good resources. And then I also have the Unhurried Homeschooler that you can find on Amazon. It is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. <laughs> and then I, in addition to that, I've actually written a devotional for homeschooling moms called mm-hmm. Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, where I take passages of scripture and apply them to motherhood and to homeschooling and just kind of share some of the things the Lord has shared with me over the years. And then this next year uh, in June, I'm going to be having a book published by Zondervan, which of course I can't say the title yet, but it will be on homeschooling and it will hopefully be an encouragement to homeschooling families and those who are considering it. Well, that is fantastic. Very, very good. And I can tell everybody I have the devotional book, The Unhurried Grace, and it for a long time sat on the table by my bed so that uh, I could just, if I needed a quick pick me up or refocus, it was there handy. So highly recommended. It's a great one. So you'll want to pick that up. But Dorinda, thank you again so much for joining us. And uh, so I, I hope that I will see you again soon. Yes, thank you for having me. It was it was an honor. I appreciate it. And it was a great conversation. You're very welcome. And everybody else, I hope you have a great day. Many of the concepts we've discussed in today's podcast are further explored and more deeply explained in our newest class, Heart School. 
Heart School was written to help you refine your vision about what God has called you to do and to prepare you to disciple and educate your children with their hearts and yours in mind. We have to be intentional and purposeful in our parenting and discipleship efforts. So whether you're a young mom and you're brand new to homeschooling, or if you're a veteran mom who could use a good reminder and refresher course on why you're doing all of this in the first place, Heart School is for you. Visit teachthemdiligently.net slash heartschool for more details and join us there today. I can't wait to get to know you better through it.